Sziasztok, Janó vagyok. Közép-Európa első világra szóló podcast csatornáját hallgatjátok Magyarországról. Ez a Budapest.fm. Hi, my name is Ray, and you're listening to the number one podcast station in Central Europe, Budapest.fm, podcasting to the world from Hungary. Hello, hello, hello. Sziasztok mindenkinek. Welcome back. Udvazoljuk. I'm here today with two very special guests. My dear friend, Alma Wakili. Wakili Alma, the Apple Man. And Edvin Garibovic, a.k.a. Nice. you might know him as Bustin' Loads on Girls from Instagram. A man of many different monikers. We won't list them all now. How are you folks doing? Doing great, Thanks. Splendid. And so right. we're here today, we're gathered here today to discuss various <clears throat> things, what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives, and to hear a little bit more about both of your stories, because you both have very interesting stories. All right. So interesting, in fact, that we're being filmed from many different angles by a film crew, by Ray, by who knows who else is peering through the windows. But let's start with uh, you, Alma. Eddie's right. been on the program before. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Nigeria. A country in West Africa, you know, it's a very popular country, so I'm sure most of you already know Nigeria. I'm from uh, Taraba State uh, in Nigeria. Long way from Nigeria here in Budapest, huh? Yep. It's been quite a journey for me. You know? Quite a journey. And what's the name of your town in Nigeria? I'm from uh, Jalingo in Taraba State. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. And what about you, Adi? Where are you from? I was born in Pula, Croatia. So we got a Croatian... A Horvat. Eddie the Horvat, another moniker. And we got a Nigerian, a Nigeriai Ferfi. Now, Alma, you said you're from uh, Nigeria, from Taraba State. Where is Taraba State? Where is that? What part of Nigeria? Uh, Taraba State is located in the northeastern uh, part of the country. Um, it's not uh, so uh, heavily populated like uh, Lagos or Abuja. It's, uh, uh, it's quite like, like Jalingo is quite a small town. So I was born in uh, Zing. That's Zing. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, dude. Every time we pass by Zing Burger, he's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> they yeah. got a whole burger chain dedicated yeah. to you. Yeah. Here. yeah, I took a picture of it and posted it. My uh, friends and family, they're all like, oh wow, that's really cool. So uh, Zing is like a, <laughs> it's like a small, it's like a smaller town than Jalingo actually. So uh, I was born there, and then um, we later moved to uh, Jalingo, and then that's where I basically grew up. And what's your profession? What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a pro soccer player. You're a pro Fozi player, a Fozista, as they say in Hungary. Oh, all right. Fozista. All right. Fozista. A Fozista. All right. You're a pro soccer player. What does that mean? You, you play professional soccer, uh, I guess, but like, what, where, where has that journey taken you? What, I, I know you've played in some different places in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I started my professional career in, uh, in Belgium, but uh, it all started for me um, way back in Nigeria, actually. So uh, most people get surprised when I tell them that I was actually scouted uh, to leave Nigeria by uh, Aspire Academy in Qatar. Aspire so, Academy in Qatar? Yes. Like the country that's having the World Cup next year? Yeah, exactly. QU, QU, no, QA. QA, QA. QA. Qatar or Qatar? Some people say Qatar, some people say Qatar. I mean, I would take it from the person that lived there, but... Yeah, it's Qatar. It's not Qatar. Yeah, it's Qatar. Qatar. Yeah, yeah. So you went to this Aspire Academy. Yeah, Um from Jailingo yeah. in Taraba State yep. in Nigeria. Yeah. And this Aspire Academy, like what was it? What was Aspire Academy? Well, well, so um, 
Aspire Academy had this project project called uh, Aspire Football Dreams. So this is a project where they go around. It's like a talent hunt, you know, for soccer players. So um, back in 2009, they were doing um, an edition of the Aspire Football Dreams. So what they do is they send scouts over to like different African countries. So if in Nigeria, for example, they send scouts to all the different states in Nigeria. How so, many states are there? Uh, 36. 36? Yeah. Is that right, Eddie? 36 in Nigeria? Yeah, it's 36. Okay, yeah. cool. Just checking. He knows that? Yeah. He knows everything. We call yeah, yeah, yeah. Eddie, Eddie knows everything. everything. One of his other names is Eddie the Encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, they send scouts to different parts of the country, and then they organize like little matches and to see uh, different players. So, um, and how many people were scouted? Like you said, there's scouts all over the country. Is yeah. like so in in your state, there was like a group of players that were scouted in your state. Yeah, yeah. In my state, there were only two of us that were scouted. Out of how many? Out of like uh, 300 players that came out that day. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. two out of 300, and yeah. you were one of them that got scouted. Yeah, exactly. By exactly. this Aspire. And then yeah. what happened after that? You went to Qatar. No, no, you don't go to Qatar directly. So what happens is, they go to like every state, and then. They pick like, in my state, for example, they pick two of us. So maybe, for example, in um, a nearby state, in Adamawa State, for example, that's another state next to mine. They may pick one player or three, depending on how many they see. So out of the 36 states in Nigeria, yeah. there was like several different tryouts, maybe 300 in your place and uh, 500 in the other place exactly, and like exactly. 1,000 in Abuja. Uh-huh. And then yeah. out of all that, uh, how many made it to the next round? Yeah, 50. 50 make it to the next round. So, so the, the next 50 best Nigerians, basically, exactly, made it to the yeah. next round. So the 50 make it to Lagos where we're gonna have like um, a one week tryouts um, so the <clears throat> this time we have like other like um, other scouts coming like a more like more qualified scouts they, uh-huh. they, they come in and then they have like a one week camp so the one week camp we have like uh, running tests you know like speed endurance jumping just different aspects of football so uh, after that week we uh, we're about fifty of us, so they select only three. Three out of fifty. Yeah, three out of fifty. And yeah. you were one. Yeah, I was you were, one of them. so you were one. You were one, one of, of two out of two hundred. Yeah, and then one of three out of fifty. Exactly. And yeah. then you made the academy. Yeah, and then and then I went to Qatar, but it's it's not over yet. You know, it's not over. Yeah, so and it's then, not over already. Yeah. It's not over until <laughs> yeah. the fat lady sings. Yep, yep, yeah. So I went to Qatar, and then in Qatar we were about forty of us. Well, one thing you need to know is. You know, they were doing this process in Nigeria and also like in Cote d'Ivoire, in um, Senegal, wow. in Kenya and South Africa, wow, wow, Rwanda, wow, wow. yeah, so other countries. So, so these guys so, went out to find like diamonds in the rough all over Africa. Exactly. And exactly. 40 of you from the whole continent yeah, made it to Qatar. To Qatar, yeah, yeah. So 40 of us were in Qatar for like a month. So we, we played matches against like, uh, I think it was Barcelona. Um, the youth teams, of course, Barcelona, uh, Bayern Munich, Stuttgart. I think yeah, so we the had, best of the best had, in the world, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how old are you, by the way? I'm 25. No, 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 no. Back then. Back then, I was 14. So it's like 11 years ago. This yeah, is happening. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. This was back in 2010. 2010. Yeah. Seems like a lifetime ago. I mean, I guess it kind of was, but yeah, yeah. 2010. Yeah, definitely. So you're in Qatar versus mm-hmm. the best of the best in all of Africa. Yep. 40 people playing against Stuttgart, playing against Bayern Munich, playing against Barcelona. Yeah, and mind you. Out of that 40, they only wanted to keep 18 of us. So it was like a really, you know, huge competition, you know. Um, I remember going to Aspire, like, 
when I first saw, like you can Google it. Like when I first saw Aspire Academy, I was like, there's no way I'm going to leave this place without a contract. I mean, it was amazing. The pitches were amazing. I'd never played on like really good pitches, really good equipment. You know, everything was just new and really nice to me, you know. And ever since I was a little kid, all I ever wanted to be was a pro footballer playing in Europe. And this was like a golden opportunity for me and I wasn't going to miss it. So we uh, had the trial for one month and then they later told us, okay, everyone has to go back home and then they're going to give us a call to come back. So we were all just, you know, I went home, I wasn't really sure how things were going to go down, you know, because I, but I, the thing is I was confident because I, during the matches, I knew I played well and I also knew that there was like a, a first team and a second team, they kind of divided us, divided us into two. So I was pretty much confident, but I wasn't totally sure that I was going to go back. So um, about two weeks later, I got a call from the academy that I'd made it and I was going to go back. I was just going crazy. Yeah. Jumping, <laughs> jumping I guess you could draw to that. Let's yeah, jump to that. Yeah. Sure. By the way, if you got any yeah, questions right. for, for Alma, feel free to ask. You know, this is this is a quite remarkable story. I mean, we've yeah, been living so. together for like a month, so yeah. we, we've been... Oh, you guys live together now, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we'll get to, I mean, I know that because I, I, I set you two up like a little matchmaker, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that part of the story in, the, in yeah. just a bit. But so, so you made this Aspire Academy back in 2010, mm -hmm. basically one of the best 18, uh, 14 year olds in yeah. all of Africa. Yeah. And that must have been like a remarkable feeling. How did your family react? Oh, I mean, they were over the moon, of course. You know, everyone was so happy for me because um, all, all, they, all they knew that like Alma just wants to be a pro footballer. That's all I ever wanted to be. And you know where I'm from? If you really tell people that you just want to be a professional soccer player, they see like, okay, you know, it's. It's, like it's unrealistic. Yeah, it's, it's unrealistic. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. Like we know you're good, but how are you gonna get the opportunity? Yeah, yeah, you know. So they were they were really happy, and I, I was so happy that I was able to like prove a lot of people wrong. Also, prove the haters wrong. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember lots of people like you. You take this football so seriously. Like, where's it gonna take you? You know. So, but I've I've been around. So nice. <laughs> yeah. So you made it to Aspire Academy as a 14 year old, and how long did you spend in Qatar? I was there for four and a half years. Four and a half years. So yep. until about the time you're 18, and what yeah. what happens then? You get sent off to another place. Yeah. So um, Aspire Academy had this partnership with a club called Cas Open in Belgium. Cas Open. Yeah. Let's yeah. Try saying that. Is it, what language is this? It's German, I think. Cast oh, Cast Open. <laughs> Cast Open. Yeah, well, yeah. Belgian, it's, yeah, you know, it's in Belgium, but it's uh it's a town it's really close to Germany. So it's like okay. it's like yeah, it's like a German Oh I see background. German heritage. Yeah, exactly. So you made it over to Cast Open? Yeah, so I had to go for tryouts actually in Cast Open again. So um I think there were eleven of us from because our category were eighteen, like I told you, and then so eleven of us went to Cast Open for try tryouts and then the coach only picked six of us. He was only inter interested in six of us. Wow. So. so you've been defying odds for quite yeah, a while. Yeah. And that's one thing my dad always reminds me. He's like, you've been through a lot. You've, you've been like um, overcoming a lot of challenges in your life. So there's nothing I think that you cannot overcome. It's just a matter of time. And you just have to keep pushing. Okay. So, exactly. Sounds like a cool guy. What does your dad do for a living? Is he a uh, my dad is a No, my dad is a pastor. He's a pastor? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. The pastor. But he's, he's a really huge football fan. Uh-huh. Yeah. What All would right. your dad think of me? Would he like me? <laughs> <laughs> I've got six, I got no six, six tattooed no, no on, on my knee. <laughs> and, and 
Eddie's the pastor uh, in the satanic church. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so Kassoypen, you make it over yeah. there, Belgium. Uh-huh. And uh, how long did you stay in Belgium for? I was in Belgium for a year and a half. A year and a half. And then um, I had to leave because my contract was, was over after a year and a half. And then I went over to Lithuania to uh, FK Trakai. So, so as a Nigerian kid from the dusty state of Taraba, yep. you make it to Qatar and then to Belgium and then yep. to Lithuania. Yeah. Uh, this is already becoming so, quite an yeah, adventurous tale. Yeah, it's a wild ride. It's a wild ride. And then so, what after Lithuania? Ukraine? No, after Lithuania, then I went to Macedonia. Okay. And then to... What Albi- was Macedonia like? Uh, f- well, the thing is, my transfer from... Um, Lithuania for FK Trakai to Macedonia was a bit rocky, you know, with the agents and stuff. So huh. it wasn't really smooth. So even while, while I was there, things didn't really go as expected, you know, um, because uh, the the agent I was with wasn't really the best, I should say. Uh-huh. So yeah, so it was pretty much rocky. But how do you like the country? They speak my language there. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, the, the country is pretty nice. I mean, it has like, you know, the Balkans have like beautiful views and, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So it's really nice. But I was really more interested in, in the football aspect and it didn't Makes really go sense. too well. So, <laughs> yeah. So I don't really have like, like nice things to nice, say about it. Yeah. Nice memories of it. But yeah, where do you have the nicest memories besides obviously Budapest? Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, of course I like Budapest. Uh, I liked Belgium a lot. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. even when I left from. Uh, Qatar to Belgium um, I already had other Aspire players that were in Belgium so it's easy for me to just um, adapt and stay there because so, I had people I knew in, in the in And the by the way what, what level are you playing at this whole time? Is it like the top divisions of these countries? Uh, in Belgium I played second division but Eupen right now play in the Premier League In the Juleper Liga? Yeah, yeah, Jupiler, whatever yeah, they call Jupiler, it Jupiler Pro League Oh wow Yeah, yeah. So, But back then it was called the Proximus uh, league, so that was the second division. But in Lithuania, I played in um, the their Premier League, and um, we did pretty good actually because we played in the Europa League. Europa uh, League, yeah, Europa League qualifiers. So that's like the level below Champions League. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's, that's I mean, yeah, that's like one of the best competitions in all of yeah, Europe. Yeah, played some really uh, important matches, and it was it was it was really good. And that's how I I got to make the transfer to Macedonia. But it's just unfortunate that it didn't really go as smooth. As I wanted it to, right, to right, go. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But what happened after Macedonia? Where did so, you go next? So yeah, I went to Albania for a little bit, and then after I just uh, went home and back to Nigeria. Yeah, back yeah back to Nigeria. Don't you have to go there like often? Yeah, I, I I I ever since I was in Qatar, like when I was in Qatar, I used to go home twice a year, mm-hmm. and um, after I signed pro, I used to go back home once a year. So so I went back home and then. I was without a club for, for a while, a few months, and then an agent from Ukraine just um, randomly messaged me, and he, he was like, oh, I watched your videos on, um, on Scout, and I see that you're, you're a good player. So. What's Scout? Um, that's what agents use to... Oh, so it's like a database. Yeah, database so to, scout, some footage to scout players. Yeah. From you in yeah. Lithuania, in Macedonia, yeah, yeah. in Albania, yeah. in Belgium. Yeah, clubs, exactly. And he's exactly. like, okay, let's bring this guy over to Ukraine. Exactly, yeah. So he messaged me on on um, Facebook and he asked for my number. So I gave him my number and we had a quick conversation and he was like, 
Um, how am I doing? Do I want to come to Ukraine? So I told him I've never been to Ukraine before, but I know of you know Shakhtar and Dynamo Kiev, the big teams. Shakhtar Donetsk. Yeah, Shakhtar Donetsk. Yeah. So um, he was like, "Yeah, we can. I can organize a tryout for you, and you can come, and we'll take it from there." So he sent me an invitation, and that's how I went to Ukraine. So when I went to Ukraine, I made the tryouts and. I had to go back to Nigeria because the visa I initially went to Ukraine with was a visiting visa, so you couldn't really sign a contract with that. So I went back to Nigeria, and then twenty uh, twenty in January I went back to Ukraine, and then you know what happened next? COVID, COVID, COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So bad timing. Yeah, it was really bad timing, and right when we're about to start, COVID hit, and then. Everything shut down, of course, and I had just a three-month visa which got expired. So then, I had to after like uh, the lockdown ended, I had to go back to Nigeria. And the thing about Nigeria is that things are not really um, straightforward. You know, I had to go back to Nigeria to get a new visa so that I could come back to Ukraine. But um, like here in Europe, if you if you want to get a visa and go somewhere, it's pretty straightforward you know you, you go to the embassy and they tell you what to do and you get your visa right but in nigeria it's just it's like the bureaucracy it's a chaos bro yeah, yeah yeah it's total chaos so um i took longer than expected to get the visa and but then i eventually got the visa and then went back to um ukraine 2021 and right when we're about to start the season Putin the war yeah. Wait, but that would be 2022 is when the was when the war started. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I was oh, sorry. I, I was at, I was at home pretty much throughout twenty twenty, uh, like six months in twenty twenty one. Uh huh. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. So you get back to Ukraine. You're yeah. on a club. Where is this club? What part of Ukraine? Uh, it was in Kiev. In Kiev, in the capital. Kiev. Exactly. And so you're just about to hit the ground. COVID's over. Yeah. Getting ready to hit the ground running. Yeah, exactly. And then the war comes in. And the war comes in. So yeah. that's I think. You know something that everyone can relate to right now, or not relate to, but at least yeah. that's that's something that's very visceral. Okay, the war starts. Uh-huh. Uh, everyone else around the world is sort of panicking. What's going on? Are they going to drop bombs? Are they going to drop nukes? This is crazy. Yeah. But you're literally in Kiev, and were you in Kiev when the war broke out? Uh, luckily, no, I wasn't in Kiev. We left Kiev three days before. I think three, yeah, three or four days before the war broke out, we went to the western region. Um, I think Zakarpatia region. That's uh-huh. the name of the region. The yeah. Hungarians call it Karpatalia. Okay, all right. But it's, yeah. it's it's because there's actually a lot of Hungarians that yeah, live there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's historically been uh, in the past part of the Hungarian kingdom, and anyway, it has a very mixed Hungarian Ukrainian uh, uh-huh, heritage. So uh-huh. you're there yeah, in the so west where it's yes. relatively safe. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nowhere is completely safe in Ukraine, but that exactly. part of the country is safer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how long are you there for? I think the war broke out February 22nd, so you must have gone over like February 19th or so. Yeah, about that. Day. And then you're there for how long? Uh, we're there for, I think, uh, two weeks. Yeah. And what's going on in your head right now? Are you? You must. I mean, for me, I mean, being next to Ukraine, it was kind of crazy enough. But being inside the country must have been a while. Yeah, it was. It was crazy because they were just shooting missiles from planes. I'm like, and then they kept saying like, "Oh, we're safe where we are." I'm like, but what if they just, they just decide, okay, we're gonna leave Kiev and come to the west and just drop a missile? You know, you, you never know. Uh, so I was really panicking, and then. I saw some of my teammates, you know, just crying, calling like their parents. And your your teammates, where are they from? Uh, they're mostly Ukrainian. I was, we were two foreigners in the team. Oh wow! So, so yeah. it's a mostly Ukrainian. Yeah, team. mostly so Ukrainian. So they all had to stay, like most of yeah, them. Yeah, they all had to stay. Yeah, except 
I think one. He was 17, so. Oh, he could leave, oh yeah. yeah, didn't you say it was his yeah, birthday? Yeah, like, yeah, very yeah, soon. yeah. So he had to leave, like, really, 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 like, quick. Because, of course, in Ukraine, if you're 18, right now, if you're between the ages of, like, 18 exactly. and I think 65, you yeah. have to stay in the country. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you want some water? Yeah. So you're, you're in the western part of Ukraine mm-hmm. for a, a week or two. The war is breaking out. It's like probably feels to you like it's like end of times shit going on. right? Yeah, now. exactly. And, exactly. Uh, and what happens next? What do you do? And, you know, you just kept feeling like, you know, things just kept happening that I couldn't control, you know, like with, with COVID and then um, trying to get like my career back on track and then the war. I was just like. Like what's what's really you happening? You know, break. yeah, exactly. I was like, you know, what's what's happening, and um, my agent was just telling me that uh, probably now that the war, you know, it's it's, it's ongoing. So um, oh, the president of the club is just gonna, you know, just break everyone's contract, and you just have to find your way. You know, go to Romania or go back to Nigeria or just just choose anywhere you want to go, but just leave Ukraine. So I decided that I was going to come to Hungary because um, I have a friend here who, who plays for Famous Feherba. Funcho? Yeah, Funcho. <laughs> Funcho, he, play, he plays football he plays in for, Hungary? Yeah, he plays for uh, Feherba. Feherba, Vidi, Vidi FC. Sekes Feherba. Can you say Sekes Feherba? Sekes Feherba. Oh, very good. Sekes Feherba. Okay, okay, okay. Not like Alma, but you know, pretty good also. So your buddy Funcho, he's a Nigerian guy? Yes, he's a Nigerian guy. He went to Aspire Academy also, by the way. So he also was one of the people selected to play in Qatar. Yes, yes. And you met him there, and now he plays pro football yeah. at Vidi in Hungary, which is actually one of, historically, one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's why you thought, okay, let's go to Hungary go versus Hungary. Poland or Romania yeah, exactly. or Slovakia. Exactly. Okay. And still, I wasn't really sure how things were going to happen. So I just, I just, you know, I'm, I, I believe in God, and I just pray that, you know, God just make me... You know, let me let me just meet the right people, and I hope everything will, will and go well. He delivered. And, yep. Well, just from from this is where I kind of <laughs> come into the story because I'm you know going out to uh, the border yeah. at uh, wow it's been it's Berekshuran 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 yeah 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 because yeah. Alexa and I we rented a car yeah and we started asking for donations and then yeah. I wake up the next day with like six thousand dollars in my Venmo account. Uh, which soon grew to over thirty thousand dollars just mm-hmm. in a week. It was crazy. It was yeah, like I've never seen nuts. anything like that in my life. So, but this is right at the beginning, and we go to Berek Shuran, and we don't know really how to help yet. We don't know how to spend the money, but we're like, let's just rent the car and see what happens. So we get there, and that was your first day. That was our first our first trip. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We get there, and we're waiting for a while because the, it was chaos there. I mean, the people uh-huh. were trying their hardest. They call them the red coats. Mm-hmm. And they're at the border. They're filtering people through. There's a whole room with like tons of refugees sprawled out on mattresses. And then they basically ask you as a volunteer to supply your details. And you say like where you're going um, and how many people you can fit in your car on like a little slip of paper. I mean, nothing's computerized. It's just yeah, yeah. kind of chaos. And then they have other slips of paper from the refugees. Oh, family of three going to Budapest. Let's match them up. But that happens about like six different times. Mm-hmm. And we're just waiting there for like three hours. One slip of paper. Oh, sorry, we lost the family. They already left. Another slip of paper. Oh, sorry, we lost the family. They already left. So we're like, okay, you know, we, we got to wait. You know, we're here to help. But it's getting like a little ridiculous. Finally, they find a group of, of nine, I think. And we had two other guys that had cars uh, going back to Budapest. Mm-hmm. And so they said, let's put three people in this car, uh, three people in this car. 
and two people in this car. Yeah, maybe it was originally a group of eight. So we're, we're waiting. They're trying to get their stuff together. They have their whole lives on their back. And then all of a sudden I see this guy uh, <laughs> who, to be honest with you, he doesn't really look Ukrainian. To me. <laughs> so was he the only like black guy? In I the think whole I place? was, I was, I was the only black guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I didn't see any other black person, man. It's, it, it was, it was kind of like, what's this guy doing here? So I went over to him. I'm like, do you need help speaking uh, English with anyone? Yeah. Uh, or, like, or rather speaking Hungarian. And so he's just like, yo, what's up? And he's dressed in, uh, in football gear. Like I knew right away, this guy plays football. This guy plays soccer. I mean, I've played my whole life and you can just identify those types of people. And so he's like, yeah, sure. So I bring him over to the tent thinking that he needs to get registered. And then we would just part ways and I helped him out or whatever. But then at the tent, they're like, oh, no, he's all right. If you want to take him, just take him. So he gets into the car with us with uh, two other. Yeah, the lady and her son. Her, yeah. The lady and her yeah, son. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. And we got, we got yeah. him the, the race him the car. the toy car. Yeah, the yeah. toy car. Yeah, he was so happy. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. And we're caravanning back to Budapest. We drop the family off at the train station. And you tell me. I'm going to Sekishvehervar, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was to meet Funcho? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, that, that was the plan. And it was like one in the morning. So I'm like, look it up. I think there was one train actually, but I'm like, you know what? Just come back to Leonfalu, rest for a day, and then we can take you out to Funcho to Sekishvehervar. Mm -hmm. And so you do that. But then I th you, you liked Leonfalu quite a bit, right? It was, it was pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Yeah, it was really good. So you ended, up staying, there, yeah. you ended up staying an extra day. We, yeah. Alexa's making some nice breakfast, all uh -huh, this stuff. It was really good. Really and good. then. Uh, Eddie, this is when you come into the picture because we were going to go to Sekishvehervar, but first we found some agent yeah. that said he was going to help you try to find a club, club in Budapest. Here. Yeah, yeah. And he was in Hatvan, I think, which is in the complete other direction from Sekishvehervar. And what is Hatvan? Like 60? Uh, exactly 60 kilometers from yeah. Budapest. Yeah. It's like the most obvious name ever, Hatvan. <laughs> <laughs> it literally, it's like an English town being called 60. So then we say to you, Eddie, because you were bored that day or something, bumming around the park. Yeah, I was like skateboarding, skating around Margaret Island. And we said, why don't you come along with us? And so then myself, Alma, and you drive out to Hot Von to meet this agent in like a small little cafe in the middle of this small Hungarian town. And then we drive to Sekishvehervar to drop Alma off at Famous Funcho's house. <laughs> right. Famous and we got Funcho. to meet Famous Funcho. Yeah. What were your first impressions when you saw Alma or when you met him? I was like, this, this, guy, <laughs> this guy's cool. We can, we can hang out. And he just seemed genuine and nice. What were your first impressions when you met Eddie? Nah, he looked cool. I mean, he was skateboarding and he had his, uh, well, he had his pink um, hoodie on. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but I was like, what's with the pink hoodie? But I was <laughs> Pink's not cool in Nigeria? <laughs> nah. Usually, I mean, a guy in a pink hoodie. Sus. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we're like the uh, bad news bears heading out to Havon. We meet up with this agent. He says he's going to get you a trial somewhere. We drive down to Sekishvah Havon, yeah, yeah. drop you off. And then what happened after that? Uh, I was at Funcha's place for, for a while. And then you gave me a call that... Um, Oh, that Zoltan called you the agent. He Zoltan's the you. agent, yeah, right, right, yeah. right, right. And he gave you a call that um, I could. Uh, he got a trial for me at um, Upest. 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 Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one of the biggest teams in Hungary, actually. Yeah, the yeah. Lila, the purple. Um, but the tryout, it was they didn't really ever give you like a proper tryout. Yeah, right? exactly. Because I was just having a few training sessions with the team B, and then that was basically it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because right now for everyone who's listening and who's going to listen in the future, I have a feeling that this is going to be a very watched uh, episode of this podcast. And uh, our goal right now is to get Alma a team. And so it's very difficult because it's the end of the season. So if you're just thinking from like the perspective of a club, yeah. like they're not going to sign a new player when there's only four games left in the exactly, season. Exactly. So Uipesh was the first opportunity and they kind of gave him like a half-hearted chance. It was nice enough that they took him for a few training sessions, mm -hmm. but it wasn't really the type of proper tryout that we'd hope to get in the summer. Exactly. Because that's the ordinarily the time. I don't know if you know, but with football clubs. Yeah, he clubs, was telling me. Yeah. Like they, June is the, around the time. Yeah. June, so July. Usually, yeah. Is so the, usually summer or winter, you know, it's like um, the December period, December, January. That's when teams look for players and also June, July. June, so July. next yeah. month. Yeah, exactly. So, But February, Mars. end of February, March, when you got here is probably the single worst time that you could look for a yeah, club. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because, exactly. It's, you know, as remarkable as your stories is, these clubs aren't charities and they're not really like yeah, looking just yeah. to take you on because you have an interesting story. story yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they, they want something that can help them. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. as much as you might be able to help a club in the summer when their eyes might light up, wow, here's a guy that just fell into our lap that is remarkably talented. In the spring, they're worried about, you know, winning games and all this stuff. And they, they, the, the actual mechanism to sign players isn't that easy in the spring as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. But that being said, that <clears throat> brings you and Eddie back together again because when you said you were coming back for this trial at Uipest, yeah, it wouldn't make any sense Budapest. for you to live in Leonfalu where mm -hmm. we live because the public transport's awful and yeah. it just would be impossible to get the training. Um, so that's when Eddie, you were kind enough to offer your beautiful uh, duplex apartment to- Yeah, I mean, me and my lady broke up and she moved out, so now I'm left with this huge apartment by myself. <laughs> So, sorry for laughing. Luxury penthouse. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, I, I don't need this much space. And I was feeling like a bit down. And I was like, man, I, I want to help people. So you're doing this work with Ukrainian people. And I was like, man, let me know how I can help. And you were like, well, guess what? You could help Alma out. Yeah. So yeah, that, well, that's really kind of him. And we're having a good time. Having a good time, so I try not to be too much of a bad influence <laughs> on him. Every time he leaves, like he goes to uh, yeah. like to hang out with Funcho and stuff. And every time he, he leaves, I go off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be like better and uh, sober and stuff, and I do it all week perfect until he leaves. <laughs> so I told I told him I wasn't gonna leave. He's like, "Why are you not gonna leave?" I'm like, "Bro, you know why." <laughs> So you basically replaced your uh, wife uh, of 11 years with uh, Alma. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, kind of. Uh, that's nice. Kinda. Not, not in every way, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, make, yeah, set the record straight. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Popping open another... Chopronia. Uh, Bevy there. Yeah, buddy. So how long you guys been living together now? It's been like a month. Month. A month only? More than a month? Seems like a year, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've known yeah, each other like I've known our you for whole long. lives. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And what do you guys do? Like, you just hang around Different the house? things, like, go to the gym. Yeah, we um, work out. I went running with him the other day. Is he yeah. fast? He's so fast, bro. <laughs> and, like, I could barely do one lap. And I was, I'm still sore. That was, like, three days ago. And he does, like, two laps without stopping. And you were born in Croatia. And from conversations that we've had in the past, I know that you, as a child, were also a war refugee, no? Yeah, my parents uh, brought me and my my sisters to America during the conflict in Bosnia and like Yugoslavia. 
it was actually like right afterward but they were like trying to sneak their way like let's let's just say my dad said we're all bosnian from bosnia because there was still stuff going on there uh and that later turned out to be bad because then they couldn't decide like are we gonna apply as like from a Croatian person or a Bosnian person? So then they never applied for anything. All right. And we were just left with like no status. We uh -huh. were just like resident aliens and didn't really have any like legal status to be in America. Yeah, well, I actually, I did my undergraduate dissertation or thesis, whatever they call it, about the Yugoslav conflict. So I know about how complex and crazy identity is there. Do you see any similarities between the Ukraine war and the, the Bosnian war? Yeah, I mean, it's like they're pretty much like brothers and brothers, cousins and like people who have a long history together killing each other. So it's very similar to the Yugoslavia conflict. Yeah. And so then you had this illegal or legal, illegal resident status um, for a while in America. That's where you grew up, basically. Yeah, I, I grew up there from like six to twenty four we, we actually discussed this on a previous podcast with Eddie, some of the stories about you living in Arizona, 6 to 24, and then why did you have to come, or why did you have to move to Budapest, or why did you move to Budapest? Well, I had to leave America because I kept getting arrested for, like, petty things. And some of the stories are funny, man. They, they, <laughs> I would get, crazy I got stories, away man. with this so many times, and then after, like, the oh, 50th time going to jail, they're like, oh, my God, you have this... Long rap sheet. You're not even a legal resident, like immigration jail right now. And then I, I mean, I could have stayed and fought my case, but it would have took a long time, and I just wanted to get out of there. So I went to back to Croatia with your ex-wife. Yeah. I mean, like when you when you look at him now, it's it's hard to believe that he went through all that stuff. You know, it's just hard to imagine. Do you feel a sense of comfort being with someone who's also been through a pretty yeah? I mean, like when we have we've we've been having like. A lot of conversations and sometimes like when he tells me his his story and his struggle and I see how he's doing now, like he's much better than he was back then. Except when you it, go to Sekish Fehava. Yeah, 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 yeah. It gives me like uh, a perspective that, you know, things things will and get things better. Things can work out. Yeah, yeah and exactly. Actually, it's these exactly. kinds of like struggles and yeah. hardships that force you to become a better person, which yeah. then makes it makes your life better in the end. Yep. Yep. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hey, cheers Amen. to that. Cheers to that. I, I just finished my beer. Oh, oh come on. You got another one. Too late. You can't, you can't cheers with orange juice. <laughs> this guy loves orange juice. Yep. Right. He gets so mad when I yep. drink it. We got to keep all my healthy for the tryouts. No beer. So that's, that's pretty crazy that we have a... Uh, Someone who was a war refugee back as a child, someone who's a war refugee now. And yeah. I, I guess it's interesting because people don't really think of, I think, either of you as refugees. And that's one of the themes that's really been um, hammered home to me the most through this whole Ukraine experience and working with some of the refugees and helping people out. Yeah. Is that a refugee, oftentimes in the West, I think we think of it as someone who's like super poor or disadvantaged or yeah. they're like maybe even like if your image of a refugee you think like dirty dusty clothes exactly and yeah. there certainly is that i mean that there are plenty of people that are in uh -huh. really desperate 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 circumstances but a war a conflict like this it affects everyone it affects everyone from all aspects of life no matter how much money you have no matter how um lucky you may have been in your life or you're just you know a normal person that's neither lucky or unlucky you're just mm -hmm. living your life 
and you are immediately affected by uh, the catastrophe of warfare. And exactly. so it's, it's really interesting just how many repercussions there are to uh, the story of a war, including Ukrainians, including uh, people that were living in Ukraine that are, yeah. are potentially Nigerian or from who knows where. Exactly, exactly. Um, and is that, is that something that you feel like an identity of as a refugee now? Do you feel that as part of your identity? Yeah, I mean, like, even, uh, like, for example, before now, like, like you said, when I think about a refugee, I think about someone who's just, uh, I don't know, like, dirty and, um, like, extremely poor. Like, just then, lead a, a war ex- and they're, like, exactly. cuts on them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, when I later realized, like, when, when I met you, and then you were helping me to come to Budapest. And I thought to myself, okay, right now, I actually am a refugee, you know, and um, I do need help. And, and the thing is, even, even if I'm, I, I, don't, I don't look it, I don't, it's not like um, I look like, I don't know, like I had torn clothes or, or something, you know. It's, it's not, uh, how do I explain it? That's, that's not what um, a refugee is. It, it just changed my perspective of what a refugee mm-hmm. is that's basically what i'm trying mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. yeah and how are you doing how are you doing how you doing <laughs> do you copy that from joey from friends because you sound just like he copied yeah. me you copied you? okay yeah, yeah, i think yeah. he said it first yeah no i was like a little baby when that show came out how you doing <laughs> that's how you came out the yeah. room <laughs> how you doing mom uh his thing is um all right all right all right all right like, uh, all right all right like days and confused oh yeah matthew mcconaughey, matthew McConaughey. Yeah, or right, any movie how do you say his surname how do you say his surname you try to say it i don't know mahogany <laughs> mahogany mahogany what's no. like i like the actor but I, can, the I, I can't say his surname matthew mcconaughey McConaughey. Yeah. Ah, McConaughey. Maddie Mahogany. Yeah, and I just call him Matthew. Just call him Matthew. You guys are tight like that? <laughs> Maddie. I just call him Matthew. What's Matthew. the craziest story that Eddie's told you? Oof. Um, yeah, he told me something about like uh, shoplifting when he was like uh, back in the States. Yeah, that's what did me in. That's yeah, why I had yeah, to come yeah, back yeah, to yeah. Europe. The shoplifting. And then there was like a glass door. What did you shoplift? Alcohol. <laughs> what kind of alcohol? Mostly beer. Mostly beer. Sometimes like bottles of liquor that like the biggest ones possible. Oh, cool! We got a uh, Wakili Albert watching uh, All right. the show right now. That's my brother. That's bro. Shout out to Albert. Albert, <laughs> Albert wrote me a very nice email yeah. uh, about saying thank you for helping yeah. Alma out. I was like, thank you for giving us Alma. He's been a very uh, he's been a blessing, a for blessing me, in man. all of I our swear. lives. Really, you think yeah, so? Like. Like you said, originally we thought I was helping Alma out, but actually he, he helped me out a lot. <laughs> That's cute. Nah, it's mutual, man. It's mutual. Yeah. That's cute. It's mutual. So back back when the days when you were shoplifting, <laughs> you never thought that you'd end up in Budapest with a documentary film crew and uh, a Nigerian Ukrainian refugee. Nigerian Ukrainian professional soccer player refugee yeah. living in. It's funny how life works out. Right? Yeah, honestly. You honestly. never know what's gonna happen. Yep, yep, you never know. And and the thing is you know, you had, you know when they say like um, everything, you know, works together for good in the end. I mean, if I'm not, I'm not saying war is a good thing, but I mean, if this war never happened, I wouldn't have met you guys. And you guys are really good people, honestly. Like you are. Like before, <clears throat> like when I told my dad that you were, because he he tried to ask me, 
like what kind of person are you are you like uh do you work like with the church are you a missionary like because because i told him like you were so nice and all of that and then i told him no actually you uh just have like um how do i call it way too, mu- way too much free time <laughs> <laughs> no you just don't like you have like a charity program that you are like running and you help me out he's like oh really like he never knew that there were people like that he just thought if you are so kind uh, to people you have to like be connected to a church or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. like that i told him no actually no. well it's funny i don't i don't even I, you know i'm not really running a charity program we just yeah. asked for some donations and it sort of spiraled into that yeah. um, Imagine and that. then we we went away for a wedding for a couple of weeks yeah so the momentum kind of slowed down but the the problems one thing that we're trying to do now with this podcast and we're going to have another group on on saturday yeah which is my friend sam and he's an american and he's doing some remarkable work with uh, these two girls you met them lisa oh and yeah, Yulia, yeah the yeah. singers all the singers the singers yeah, yeah, right yeah. and so these people that I've met through this process over the past month, I mean, there's countless stories, countless people, and not all of them are still in Budapest, but I'm trying to have you guys and then Lisa and Sam and Yulia and then next week hopefully getting this girl Anastasia to come on so trying to like reinforce some of these initial uh, contacts that we've made because my philosophy at least Mm -hmm. is like you really can't help everyone but the people that you do help you shouldn't just offer a temporary band-aid you should try to continue to help as much as possible Um, and I think that that's a good philosophy towards these sort of lingering long-lasting conflicts because if we all do our part to help out a few people over a long period of time then you know, I think it will always come back to you in the end and you'll get uh, rewarded. Not that yeah. it's a good question, actually, whether altruism is an inherently selfish thing. It, I mean, it could be because like when when you're when you help others, when you serve others, yeah. it really helps you too, like a ton. It's like the best thing you can do for yourself as well. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I think the definition of the word selfish is thought of as sort of like a bad thing. But it doesn't necessarily need to be bad. I mean, I think if we're all selfish in a way that manifests a greater good, that that would be great. Yeah. Selfish needs a little bit of a makeover, maybe. Well, goes around, comes back around. But I do, do you think that. That, that altruism or charity, do you think it's a selfish task? No, not at all, really. No. Why, why, would, why would it you, be You feel though? better? Well, I don't think it's negative. No. It's not it's negative not at negative. all, exactly. So. I guess the, the way that I mean selfish in that, like, you do it for... Recognition? Uh, maybe not even recognition. Like, a lot of people, I think they do silent, or they, you know, I happen to have a platform. So can, like, being selfish be, can it be, like, a positive thing, being selfish? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that was maybe Cause the Because I've always seen, like, selfish as, like, a, a negative thing. When you use the word selfish, <laughs> Marco, Marco just chatted in Alma the Savior. You know Marco, because now what's your status? You're pl- you're playing with Marco's team. Yeah, yeah. So right now, um, I have to, like before I can get a team, I have to wait till summer. So right now, what I basically do is I train with Marco's team. It's a team in the fourth division here. Uh-huh. So I train with them three to four times a week, you know, just to stay fit. And I also run a lot on the. Margaret Island, I also go to Margaret the gym. Seagate. Yeah, I can't say that. And then I go he's to learning. the gym also with, with Eddie. So I try to tell him the lift, but he's always doing like... Cardio, cardio and stuff. Yeah. So at the border, when we met at Berkshuram, they gave yeah. you this slip of paper. And how long did it allow you to stay in the country? Um, it was initially for a month, yeah? A month, yeah. I think. Yeah, right. it was initially for a month. And then we got in touch with someone at the like the Helsinki conference, Helsinki, the capital of Finland. Yeah. Uh, but they have some organization, I think, mm-hmm. like the Helsinki something, con- human rights. Uh, and I got in touch with this woman, Melinda, and she was kind enough. Uh, yes, to, to really kind of like an angel, very, very, Melinda. very. Uh, and like she was, God just sent lots of angels to me, really. But she <laughs> she helped you out to get 
what an extension to that status yeah so i got an extension of two months two months to that status. so when yeah. does that expire uh it'll expire at the end of may may 31st may 31st yes and does that allow you to work uh no no, no at the moment no so i have to find a way to stay here for a longer period of time so that I can get um, so you can get a contract because exactly. that's your profession is you know people exactly. think like oh pro athlete it's just like a fun thing but it's not it is a fun thing I mean I'm yeah, sure it's, it's a my, dream it's my but livelihood it's your, it's your livelihood exactly. it's, how you, exactly. it's how you eat it's exactly. how you exactly. and also uh, you mentioned to me that that's how you su- help support your family back yeah, home as yeah, well yeah and I'm the breadwinner of my family so like my family heavily relies on me how many people are in your family um I've got three brothers and a sister three brothers and a sister yeah that's a big family. Yeah, yeah. And right now you are without a contract and we're trying to get you a new contract. Exactly. But, and I'm sure you would love to just do some temporary part-time job while you were waiting just to make some cash. Yeah, exactly. But you can't even but do I that. Can't, I can't even do that, so. So that's why I, I would like to ask, um, hello, everyone in the uh, audience. I was just making sure I was, uh, I, I just heard, I heard a background noise. Uh-huh. I, I would like to make sure I, I ask everyone in the audience, um, we're going to be starting a, a GoFundMe page specifically to help out Alma. I know he would never ask for help, but I, I feel like as I was talking about this mission of trying to reinforce the help that we've offered to others is while he's in pursuit of this contract in this sort of like vague area, if we could try to collectively come together and uh, raise some money via GoFundMe. Because GoFundMe, I've never had experience with it, but I know that it helps causes like this all the time where someone just needs a temporary uh uh, you know, lift up or a temporary uh, pat on the back. And how, how rewarding would that be to see Alma like four months from now get a contract with the Hungarian team uh, and really be able to push on and have like a tremendous professional career? I think we could look back at all, all this one day as being like a real crossroads in, uh, in your life, in your life, in my life. And uh, it would be nice to do like a reunion episode. Uh, you in, know, a, in a few months. That in would a, be yeah. so amazing. That would be so amazing. That would be so amazing. Because, I mean, I, th- I think it, it seems to me like with your story, with this incredible, incredible mission as a 14-year-old kid coming through really like the odds that you told me, I mean, two out of 200 and then three yeah. out of uh, whatever. Uh, the 50. Five, 50 and, yeah. then, and then two out of, yeah, out of 18 40. out of 40. And then so all these numbers. But if you actually like sit down and do the math and I'm the furthest thing from a mathematician, that's probably like one in a fucking million. Yeah. So, I mean... You beat the odds before. I think that we can certainly try to do it again. Yes, definitely. You sound like my dad. My dad keeps reminding me about this ev- almost every day. You know, he just <laughs> keeps telling me that, you know, you can overcome this. Just take it, you know, a step at a time and, you know, everything will be okay. Yeah, I see it happening for you, man. I Thanks, see it, bro. bro. Thanks, bro. We have a bright future, all of us. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get through this, and I mean honestly, like, and part of you must feel kind of lucky because like there's obviously much more desperate situations than you right now uh, coming from the war zone. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I even had some like uh, friends um, over in Ukraine who 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 fled Ukraine, of course, and their conditions were like much worse than mine when when they left because they went through the Polish uh, border and. They had to spend like, I spent like four hours at the border and I was complaining like it was so, so cold. And they were like, we were at the border for four days. <laughs> I mean, no food. And I was like, okay, okay, guys, I, 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 I get it. I get it. You, you say it was cold. I mean, I. Yeah, I, no, I, it was, it was freezing. I, I'm like a volcano, freezing. so I don't really feel the temperatures like normal people, yeah. but it, it wasn't that cold. 
<laughs> I think going from Nigeria, you've got a different perspective on temperature. Yeah, oh, oh, for me, it was cold. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was cold. I was like shaking, you know. We both come from like very similar climates. Really? Yeah. Pool is hot? No, Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Yeah. yeah. Eddie's from the desert. We were trying to compete like where it gets hotter. <laughs> Yeah, but I think and I think I think Phoenix wins, right? Did you did you yeah, feel maybe like, maybe because yeah yeah that's like a desert fifty man. degrees that's Celsius. Like did you feel like yeah. a refugee a second time when you had to leave Phoenix? Yeah, it was weird. It was weird adjusting to living in Croatia after living in the states for so long. And Would just, you want to live in the states again one day, or do you have like kind of bitter feelings towards that? Uh, I'm not bitter, but I feel like I had my time there, and it's just like a different culture, different kinds of people and i prefer europe more why is that just the attitude the lifestyle yeah the lifestyle it's more chill and easygoing less of a rat race it's interesting <laughs> well, i mean we're all i'm not really a ref, or i'm not at all a refugee but we're all uh, expats we're all yeah, expats yeah. And i think that's one of the identities we talk about identity before with the yugoslav war we talk about identity with the ukrainian war but we all have these different identities in our lives and one identity that we mentioned before with you guys is refugee, but even probably above refugee, because that's sort of like, you know, you were a child and you yeah. aren't a native to Ukraine. So maybe mm -hmm, this is mm -hmm. sort of like a malleable thing. But even more than a refugee, I think we're all expats. And that's sort of I identify a, with that much more than, than refugee and refugee. Yeah, I think being an expat is an interesting uh, concept in and of itself. I mean, it can. It, it, it's it's very positive in a lot of ways. There's certain things that, you know, you miss family, maybe you miss yeah, old friends. That's, that's yeah, that's yeah. a tough part. That's the toughest part, right, is the, is the family. The family, yeah. I mean, friends, I love my friends, but I, you know, I still see my friends. And as you get older, you see friends on occasion, and the occasions are great, but you also make new friends. Like, I didn't know you guys before four years ago, yeah. and now we're all close friends. So, But also, you you visit your family all the time. Yeah, right. You can't even uh, go you back. Don't, yeah. yeah. And they can't visit me either, because they don't have passports to come out here. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Yeah, so it's been like seven years I haven't seen my mom or my sisters or my dad. Wow. So like none of you like none of your family members in 7 years you haven't seen yeah, any of no. your family members. Nope. That's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Can you go back to America? Yeah, well, he I talk could. to his mom like almost every day on video. Yeah. I, I see my mom on, yeah. on Facebook Messenger <laughs> video all the time. She's very cool and supportive. But yeah, I can go back. I just need to I can go and get a fucking like tourist visa and just go visit. So you're allowed to. Your shoplifting doesn't prevent Man, you. you from should. <laughs> no, it doesn't prevent me. I could have done that a long time ago. I just like I was always putting it off. You got to do it for the the wedding in September. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I have to do it for I want to go to my own like uh film festival premieres which are going to be <laughs> in the states. Just the way that you said that. But it was so I want nice to go to my own film festival <laughs> premiere. I don't want to miss that. So you're going to be in a film festival? I guess. Right, Galvar? Yeah. He's not allowed to interact with the talent. Mm. It breaks the ethical guidelines. <laughs> oh. So you got a, you got a film coming out. Uh, about. Are you allowed to talk about that at all? Yeah, it's a documentary about our lives, me and my ex. And just us like moving from Croatia to Budapest and like trying to start a business here and like our lives here, basically. What kind of business? Webcamming. Webcamming. Yeah. Do you know what webcamming is now, Alma? Um, not really. Not like, um, well, not like in he, detail. He but lives <laughs> in our old room where we used to, we used it as our webcam room. Now he's living in it. 
webcamming. That's like for the layman's term would be like a sex show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a live sex show. Wow, very interesting. Yeah. A pastor's son, you've come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're certainly gonna have a lot of stories to tell one day, Alma. Have you ever yeah. thought about like? trying to record any of this, like put it, put it down on paper, or is that something that you think you'll do later on? Yeah, you... I'll, I'll do that later on, of course. We could record yeah. something now. But I, but I, um, like I do write some notes, like some key dates and then stuff like that on my phone. So, because I, 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 I want to write a book someday, like about my life. Memoir? And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, something like a memoir. Ama Wakili. Yep. The story. Of I, I don't know what the title will be, but I'm still, think, I'm still thinking about that. <laughs> the story of an apple that fell far from the tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, your your story certainly has resonated with me mm-hmm. quite a bit. I mean, your story is crazy, but like it just you're crazy. We've been, I mean, in a good way, crazy. I, I don't think it's bad. I think it's it's awesome. It's very interesting, but it's it's something that I've I've grown used to over the. Years that I've known you, but almost story right now is just really resonant with me from an emotional level, and I think that it would just be really, really tremendous if we can uh, try to push you over the line. I mean, I think that you you're going to do it yourself, and even that's what I always wonder. Like, if you didn't meet me, or you didn't meet Eddie, or you didn't meet all these people, I feel like you would have made it work. It just would have been a little bit more difficult. Yeah, yeah, definitely L- less fun, probably. Yeah, because I just would have been in. Um, the plan was just to go to Feheva. I didn't know how far Feheva was from Budapest. You know, I knew nothing about Hungary. So I just wanted to go meet Funcho and then we'll just take it from there. And now you're here. And now I'm here. Yep, exactly. I'm here. Doing a podcast, telling your tale. Yep. I remember the first like week he was there, I was like getting over my breakup and just having parties all the time. And then, and then I'm like, fuck it. Like, Here's Alma just trying to be a good boy, like a professional athlete, and there's people and just you're... doing lines of blow on the <laughs> like, Oh my oh god, man. it's a crazy world. He, he puts up with a lot for me. Yeah, it's all right, man. But your your apartment's so good. It's a huge, man. yeah, it's, it's a it's huge a, place, uh, and I, I mean, so I have my space, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's true. Right. You can always retreat yeah. when yep. it gets too crazy. Yep. All right. Well, is there any final words that either of you would like to say before we wrap it up for the day? Mm. Do you have any message to like Hungary, like uh, as a, as a country, do you, to your new home? Do you do you have any message to the Hungarians out there in the audience that Say might be watching? Hungarian. No, I know nothing of Hungarian. What? I only know Kushinam. Kushinam, yeah. What about the one thank I you. taught you? Um, oh, I forgot that Kusisepen. man. Kusisepen. Yeah, Kusisepen. That's like thank go. you very much. Yeah. Kusisepen. Is that what you want to say to the Hungarians? Yeah, Kusisepen. Yeah. <laughs> Nekadish. Oh no no, that's Sivashan. <laughs> Which one's that? Sivashan? What does that mean? That's what we say to you. Uh, oh, okay, one, okay. one final one final cheers here to uh All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do mine with it. To right. the to the apple that fell far from the, the tree. The apple that yeah. fell far from the tree. All right. Eddie the Horvat and to uh the Ukrainians continuing to just be miraculous and get through this tough time and inspiring us all. And to uh, peaceful and blissful times ahead this summer for everyone in the world, even those in Russia, except for a few of them. <laughs> well, not maybe, you know that's that's for uh, yeah. a debate. But I just hope that we can uh, get through this as a global society and come out the other end stronger. Um, and that's all I got to say. So thanks for watching. Right. Look out for 
Alma's GoFundMe page. We're going to be setting that up real soon. And I really hope that uh, people will be inspired to contribute and to help out. I've got a few other things that I'd like to help out with, um, with the Ukrainian cause more directly. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for Eddie's documentary and the, the film festival premieres that he's got to get Coming to in America. This fall. Uh, coming soon this fall. <laughs> yep. Thank you, everybody, in advance. Thank you in advance. Thank you retroactively. God bless. Kusanom Sepen. Chokalom. And we'll see you soon. We got another episode of uh, With Willie Podcast coming this Saturday, special edition. So stay tuned for that. Have a nice day. Sepen the Pope. Sepen the Pope. All right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs>